Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet. Today is the first ever inaugural ladies-only chit-chat. The subject today, as a warning for people, is going to be very deep, could be very emotional, um, but I think this is a subject that so many listeners and people out there um, can identify with and need to confront this and uh, think about this, talk about this, and hopefully today's message is going to resonate with a lot of people. So today I have with me two of my very favorite people in the entire world. Ladies, I'm so happy that you're both here with me today and agreed to join me. So we have Miss Ellie from Speed Bumps Podcast. We'll start with you. How are you, my dear? I'm excellent. How are you today? Fabulous. Fabulous. And Miss Rosie from Upstate Unconventional. How are you, darling? I'm wonderful and so happy to be here with both of you. (laughs) We're going to try really hard not to cry today. I have my Kleenex box (laughs) um, sitting here in case we need it. Uh, So dumb, dumb. I do not have Kleenex and I put on mascara. Uh oh! <laughs> Call in the emergency forces. Get those right? Kleenexes, ladies. Right? Yeah, seriously. So today we're going to be talking about um, a subject that is a very deep one for a lot of people, and it is about your relationship, or your broken relationship, or lack of relationship, or disrespectful relationship with your mother. Um, Mm. And this is something that I had this discussion with somebody last night and told them that this was going to be the topic today. And they said, Oh my God, it's probably going to take me a while to get through that episode because they have a very damaged relationship with their mom. So, I'm not sure where we want to go with this, how we want to start this, um, because everybody uh, has a very different story. I have shared some things about my mom in the past, and Rosie and I have a lot of uh, similarities. So I'm going to pick on you, Rosie. We will start with you. Tell me what your relationship was growing up with your mother. Oh, okay. So, you know, when I when I brought this subject up to you both the other night, I was like, I remember I said, I don't know where to go with this, right? Mm-hmm. Because it is so deep mm-hmm. and it runs like, well, I, all I have to say is no one can bring me to that white heat like my mom, first mm-hmm. of all. Like I I can't, nobody, nobody in the world, not, not an ex, not anyone, my children, absolutely not. It doesn't even compare. It's just that deep. Um, madness mm-hmm. that you just feel. Anyway, I wanted to start with that. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sitting here thinking deep seated anger comes to my right. mind. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, I don't really remember what the question you said specifically. <laughs> What's it like? What's my relationship like? Um, yeah. What was it yeah. like? What was it like for you uh, growing up? Like, what kind of yeah. things happened? And then we're going to transition into like 
when did you realize or discover that there was a problem with the relationship? Yeah, I think that's a great way to do it. Like kind of like as a kid and then as your adult mm -hmm. relationships. Right. Um, yeah. So a lot of red flags for me. Um, and they stand out in my head all the time. And it's things I think about because now that I have children, it's like, oh, my God, how could that have ever how could she have ever done that to me? Mm -hmm. um, so I remember this one particular situation. There's a lot. But um, I was a little bit of a tomboy and I was a lot, a lot of boys in my neighborhood and I was on my bike and we set up a jump and I jumped off the jump and I skid and my whole side of my face like basically road came, came off yeah like just <laughs> like i have my my jaws knocked one way still like my face is out of whack because of this accident when i was little and i remember i was like stunned and shocked or whatever i walked up to the house i opened the door and she came to the door she looked at me and screamed and ran away and i'm like bleeding and i was like oh so then my grandmother came. So thank mm -hmm. God for my grandparents because we actually lived with my grandparents um, until my mom got remarried when I was, I think, 12. So I did have them in my life. But uh, she was just emotionally immature and unavailable. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, she... You know, she dated a lot. She was like never home. So physically, there wasn't even like that reach. I felt like she always brought mm -hmm. a lot of boyfriend. Like I met so many boyfriends, you know, so that was really just hard for me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I would say more like not being able to handle anytime I got hurt, anytime I needed a hug, anytime I needed like someone to talk to, she couldn't handle it, you know, mm -hmm. Um and then when things would happen, I, I saw her have not not that this is a not that this is um, a, a narcissistic trait, this part, but she would start having panic attacks. Um, and like then I was like, OK, I know that there's something wrong with my mom um, because it was like panic attacks when my biological father came back into the scene. Mm -hmm. He wanted to me to be like in his wedding and see me. And uh, she started having panic attacks. And I remember my grandfather having to like hold her down, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but there was never a thought about what I wanted in mm -hmm. that situation. Right. And that, that really disturbed me too. Um, so it was very self-serving of her. Very self-serving, very mm -hmm. self-serving. And I remember thinking, this isn't worth it. Even if I want to see my dad, this isn't going to be worth it because of the, what I have to go through with my mom. And I was, this was, these are all experiences like before 12 and then they mm -hmm. changed and we'll get to the, you know, college years and stuff after, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just, just those were like the red flags, like not being there for me when I'm hurt or, you know, making me so nervous, instilling um, this complete irrational, you're, you're so sick all the time. Like I was a hypochondriac as a child because my mom was a hypochondriac. Mm -hmm. So whenever I had something going on in my life, I would be like under the coffee table checking my temperature because I thought there was, I was sick all the time, but I was just fucking anxious. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just really nervous all the time. Um, you know, I'm a victim of sexual abuse myself. And I never told my mother mm -hmm. and I couldn't tell her because I knew she wouldn't be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. And to this day, she doesn't know, you know, so it's like, you know, it's those things you just know as a child. 
that so let me let me ask you a question about her um has she evolved and changed over time or is she still stuck in that same like emotionally unavailable and unable to connect in a loving nurturing manner um it's changed in weird ways but it's still not not good but I have learned now how to cope with it better, like how to manage my relationship with her, setting boundaries mm -hmm. and things like that. But sometimes mm -hmm. it leaks back in and right. she tries to overtake and manipulate and gaslight me. And I'm the crazy mm -hmm. one. It, it goes on and on and on, you know, right. and it's very, it's very disturbing. Um, and it, it's, it's not changed for the better, but it's changed where right. she, she's 70 now. So she doesn't have that, um, fire as much mm -hmm. and now it's more of a, I, I'm a victim mm -hmm. she has a big victim mentality no matter what and she has anything she could want you know she she's got a loving husband a beautiful home she's got freedom and she just she can't do it she can't love her life so was there ever a time um like infant to you know early or pre-12 um, was there ever a time where she was like emotionally bonding with you or was that like always absent and that, you know, like it was never part of the relationship and that's where you had to like get that from your grandparents instead of her? Yeah, I, 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 I cannot recall a time when I can say my mom and I sat down and did this together. And I, I have that core memory. Mm -hmm. My core memories are all of my grandparents and growing up and gardening with them and cooking with them. My mom was not, not available to me. Mm -hmm. And a story that hit me really hard that she recently told me <laughs> was um, because I have a cousin right now that has a a baby with a dislocated hip. And when I was born, I had a dislocated hip. And um, I think I was like maybe four months old when I had to go in for the operation and they put a full body cast on me, maybe six mm -hmm. months. Um, and it was hard, you know, I'm sure it was hard for me and hard, you know, but it was harder on her because she told me that it, her and my grandmother took me to the hospital. Then when they brought me home, I was screaming, I was crying, and she mm -hmm. didn't know what to do with me. So she gave me to my grandfather and left. So how and I was how, like, oh <laughs> right. You're like, hey, thank you for that. Well, I'm in a caught and a cast. At least I I guess I'm protected from the outside world. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so and, and you would have never known, like, had she not told that story. So what was the benefit of telling you that story? Because it, it it doesn't make you it doesn't make her look good. So like, what would be the benefit of saying that? And that's what I was just going to say, because telling you that story reinforces abandonment. Yeah. Yeah. And she does it all the time. Like these are, I hear it all the time, but it's like, I loved you so much. I could not even bear looking at you like this. So I went shopping. And I let grandpa take care of you. And when we got home, you were so happy. You know, grandpa did the right thing for you. And, you know, you were so, but I just couldn't take it. But well, you know what? The I might thing have needed is, my mom. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know what the thing is, though, that you're getting that nurturing, loving relationship from your grandpa. 
instead of from your mom, because your mom was so self-centered and all about her Yeah, that, you know, you, you crying was an imposition. Um, you not being happy was an imposition on, on her mental state. And it doesn't, you know, what, like, it doesn't even affect her. Like your behavior doesn't affect her, uh, one way or other, as far as changing her behavior or like trying, even trying to parent in the first place. Yeah, it was, what was her, what was her relationship growing up with her parents do you know were they like loving and nurturing to her yeah it's such a mystery and my grandmother and I used to talk about this all the time because we had each other to talk about my mom mm -hmm. with because we felt she was abusive to both of us in different mm -hmm. ways right um so there were three kids. My mom's in the middle. There were two boys, younger and older. And um, my mom, yeah, the middle child, only girl. My grandfather treated her like a princess. I mean, she, you know, had everything she wanted, loving family, big family. Mm -hmm. um, I just hear that, you know, stories like she loves to tell stories about how she like was kind of like a prankster and a jokester to like her brothers and like kind of torture them. I think she always had this kind of sass in her. Um, but I think it was also like, um, I don't know. I think something that she was like born with because my grandmother was literally the most loving person. She would take anyone in, you know what I mean? And help mm -hmm. anybody mm -hmm. like her spirit reminds me of you, Janet, so much because it's like, just help helping. You know what I mean? Like, what can mm -hmm. I do to help that person? That person's having a bad day. Let's make them some cookies. Let's do this. Let's do that. Like, you know, <laughs> anybody out there listening, if you want to make me some cookies, <laughs> please bring it on. <laughs> but that's how I grew up with that. Thank God, you mm -hmm. know? And uh, yeah, it was just, I don't know. She so just, do I, you see her like growing up with her parents and, you know, being the prankster and stuff as a way for her to be the center of attention. Yeah, I do. I do. Because I, I can see it going on. Like it was very toxic. So like it, I, I saw the three siblings compete with each other mm -hmm. then throughout our entire life together. Mm -hmm. Like everyone had kids and they would always be fighting. They would always be fighting. There would always be arguments. Even like, you know, uh, my cousins and I would be like, they're fighting again everyone's fighting again, you know, mm -hmm. it just never ended, you know, it never ended. So like it's, my, a, yeah. it's a competition to see who comes out on top. Everything's and a competition. Who's the, who's yeah. the better right. or who has more, who did better, you know, who's more successful, has more money, whatever. Yep. So it kind of sounds like all three of them were that toxic, selfish, me, me, me thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So obviously, <laughs> like my grandparents did something maybe to tr like bring that out in them a little bit. But like, you know, I, I don't know. It, it was it was difficult. It was a really difficult childhood because I just I was an only child, too. And mm -hmm. even though I did have cousins, I never felt like I always felt alone, really mm -hmm. lonely. Right. And I liked being alone. I had a lot of imaginary friends. <laughs> um, I did like being, I still like really being alone. But um, yeah, it was a lonely childhood for me, for sure. But that's kind of instilled that into you that, you know, it's a survival instinct that you get 
um, for constantly being alone because your mom was absent from your life, not just physically, but emotionally and, and mentally just not there. Well, yeah. and then when and she so, was around, it was right. traumatic. It was gaslighting. It was, I don't want to be around you. So right. your brain, like you taught yourself that being alone is being safe because when she is around, I'm abused in some way or I'm neglected in some way. And mm -hmm. so you saw yourself as being safe when you were alone. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the most difficult and complex part about this is when I got older, then she became dependent on me and mm -hmm. now controlling. Mm -hmm. So when I went to college, it was a whole other ball game. The control was Oh, Ray, I can't even like she's still thank God that's dissipated a little bit. But the control, the you know, you you're dependent on us and we tell you what to do. Um, you spend time with me, not mm -hmm. not your friends. This is my time. And it's mm -hmm. like, what did so they was, have alone? Where where was this? College? What's that? I didn't Sorry, hear. Jenny, first. No, go ahead. Oh, did they take out loans for you for college? No. OK. No, no, she, they, my grandparents pretty much paid for college for okay. me. My grandparents were well off. They had businesses and stuff like that. And so everyone was kind of like, I feel like this, the, the, the kids were always like, kind of like mooching off my grandparents gotcha. for stuff. And there was always competition. Like who's going to pay mm -hmm. for this? Is they going to pay, you know, and it grosses me out, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and but it was always hung over my head. I, I was going to go away to college. That's all I wanted to do because I wanted to get away. I want to get mm -hmm. away so bad and forget right. it. Nope, nope. You're going to this college. You're living home. We're paying for it. Our rules, you know. And I remember on my 18th birthday, I was so excited because, like, I went to an all-girls Catholic school my whole life. So, like, I was starting to, like, meet boys and have fun. And, like, I was really starting to feel like I was coming into my own. Mm -hmm. And because um, I got made fun of for my looks a lot, too. And my mom didn't defend me that much. She, Which is so husband. funny because you are like stunning. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but she used to make fun of my red hair. I used to like, you know, downplay it. She wanted me to dye it all the time. She would take me to go to get highlights or low light, like make it dark or make me blonde. Like, and it was really weird. Now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, that was really twisted to not be like, no, that's, it's beautiful. It's nice that you have red hair, you know? Did your so, grandma or dad have red hair? My dad. So yeah. that that right there in itself is another form of abuse because your mom is shaming you for being what you are and hurry up we have to we have to change that quickly. We have to mold you into the image of what again she wants. Yeah. Me be yep. me. Like, yeah. I don't, I want you to have blonde hair instead of red yeah. and, and making fun of you for something that that's hereditary that you can't help. You have right. no control over that. And so that is, that is definitely a form of abuse right there. When you're telling your child that you are not okay the way that you are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, it went on and on, like you're pale she would take me to get tan, you know, mm -hmm. like self tanning and stuff and mm -hmm. push this stuff on me and push it on me. And and it made me feel like, oh, wow, like I, I you don't want people to make fun like of you're, you. You're not yeah. good enough. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. And 
Um, she's very teeny tiny, petite, so tiny, and like I'm I'm tall, and it was almost like, oh, you're big boned. We have to work with you in a different. You know what I mean? It, it's it was always just like a competition with her, you know. But I wasn't really big boned. I was just taller than her. So she put mm -hmm. these like ideas in my head that mm -hmm. like yeah, like you're like this big, Rosie. Like I don't <laughs> right. I, I like I a toothpick. You're not big boned. <laughs> But I grew up thinking I was, yeah, right? Yeah. So like, you know, but thank goodness, I never had like an issue with food or anything like that. It never got to that point where like she made me, you know, like question that I, I because again, thank God for my grandparents. Thank yeah. God mm -hmm. for that, you know? So yeah, it was, it's okay. hard, man. <laughs> well, and it's funny that you say that like when you got older and, and got to college, it was like, then she needed you. Yep. Yeah. And the whole thing with that is because she saw you at that time. She actually saw you as slipping away. Okay. And that's her means to exert control over your life. Now I need you, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because you're, you're starting your own life. You're starting your own career path and all of these things are falling into place. You're meeting people uh, you're not the loner that you were. You're like getting out into the world and she's struggling with the fact that she's not part of that plan. Yeah. Again, yeah. selfishly, you know, you're, you're, you can't leave me. You have to stay with me yep. while at the same time doling out emu emotional abuse on a regular basis because you're not, you're not good enough. You're not up to her standards. You don't, you're not deserving of love. You yeah. know, you should just be by yourself because you're ick to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when I wanted to go to my grandparents, when I was older, she would hold that over my head, like, and she'd fight with both my grandmother and I, but on my 18th birthday, she actually hit me over and over with a wire hanger. And it always reminds me of mommy dearest, no mm -hmm. wire hangers. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, out of all the damn things you had to pick, to hit me with, you know what I mean? Like the epitome. Why did she hit you though? Because I was going out for my birthday and not staying home with her or doing something with her. So That's she, so I know. So she came in my room and she was like, lost her mind and screaming, crying and just started hitting me with a wire hanger. And I was like, you know, I felt so, um, uh, trapped all the time. Like I didn't have mm -hmm. anyone to advocate for me or help me because my stepdad, I love my stepdad. He's really changed a lot, but like, and no matter what she said, went. no matter what went. And so he would call me and say, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. Listen to your mother. You're hurting her. You're her world. Mm -hmm. And that used to make me sick to my stomach hearing mm -hmm. that you're her world. Well, you're making me now completely responsible now mm -hmm. for this woman. Right. For like, an adult's feelings. Yes. You right. child are responsible for this adult's feelings. And if you don't act the exact way that you're supposed to, it is all your fault that this adult feels this way. Yeah. Well, think about the level of conformity in these relationships that that they want out of, you know, their kids is is conform and manipulate and whatever, because you will do what I say, you will be who I want you to be. And 
I get a free pass. I don't have to answer to anyone. I am perfect. You're the one that's just disgusting and disturbing. Yep. Yeah. I have a question for both of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had this thought about three minutes into our conversation. I know we've all been divorced and I also know all the reasons that we've been divorced or most of them. Mm -hmm. And I've never looked at it this way until now. Mm -hmm. But to some of your ex-husband's traits or the reasons that you left him, are they because they were like your mother or my mother or whatever? A hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. how, like people are always like, what oh, they ex- well, like, you got, like if you I got was just to say, have daddy issues, but it's for me, it's not daddy issues. No. I'm going to say yes, with the exception of my, my mom was not a drug addict. Um, exactly. My not ex-husband everything. was. Yeah, but like the, everything. But right. the abuse and the emotionally unavailable, physical abuse, mental abuse, emotionally unavailable, um, not loving in any way, shape, or form, uh, quick to anger, violent, um, you know, calling, name calling, all of that kind of stuff. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, the narcissism uh, mm-hmm. out the window. But I. I'm going to say it. I, I settled. Really, I did. I did too. Because I wanted to get away from my parents so bad. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get away right. from my mother so bad that it was almost like the first person that I could like yes. seem kind of somewhat of a life with. Mm-hmm. And he proposed to me and I was like, yes, good. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. Great. Like, I'm going to finally get out. <laughs> I'm finally going to get out. Like, and that's tragic, right? I because- tried to call off my first wedding more than once. And when I told my mom, her response was, well, I already paid for a lot of it and I can't get my money back. Mm-hmm. So again, <laughs> it's about me. It's not about you. So go enter into this shit marriage that you know is going to be a shit marriage because me. Right. How's it going to look for me? Mm-hmm. You're my daughter. How You're mm-hmm. making me look bad. You know, yeah. and that's that's the thing. Like Ellie and I have have discussed this before on on her show. Um, when I was very young, I was sexually assaulted. I was raped um, at a park, and I was so distraught. And I went home and I told my mom, and I'm I'm falling. I'm scared. I'm shaking. And her response was. We're never going to talk about this again because look at how many people in your family are, you know, into church or, or whatever. And this is going to look bad on our family. So we're never going to mention this again. And so even, even burying things like that for your own selfish, I don't know, image, self image, whatever you want to call it. When you have a child that is struggling with something, whether it doesn't even have to be like something that deep or something that involved, but, you know, just, just trying to be a kid, right. And kids don't know how to handle their emotions and, and they don't know how to process things. And so parents have a really shitty way of making you suppress and not confront what you're feeling emotionally uh, to get that out. And then we carry that into, you know, 
our teens, our 20s, and and a lot of times even into adulthood where we don't know how to properly process emotions and feelings because they didn't know how to do it either or just did not care to help. Right, right. I, uh, so when I was a couple days after my 16th birthday, my then boyfriend sexually assaulted me in my, in my, in my parents' basement. I was sneaking around. I thought I was ready. I said, no, he did it anyway. So they were upstairs the whole time. And I didn't end up telling him until, uh, probably two and a half years later. And I actually had my then boyfriend tell him because I was so ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. But I remember at my graduation party and at this point I had, been broken up with the guy who assaulted me and my mom's like oh we need to invite him over for your graduation i was like no we really don't i was like he's my ex like we don't need to do that well she did it anyway and then when i was cold to him and like didn't want to interact with him but it was interacting with everyone else at my graduation party elizabeth you're being very rude you need to go give him a hug and say hello no no mom i don't Mm -hmm. like Elizabeth, you're being rude. This is not what we do. You need to go do this. And I had to go mm-hmm. fucking hug him. Mm-hmm. Yep. What all you want to do is just punch him or, yeah. I mean, how how selfish is that of her after knowing? So she didn't know yet. She didn't know yet. But still, if I'm like, no, he's my ex. Like, I don't want him at my party. Right. Like, yeah, she that would be like inviting my ex husband to come and hang out just for shits yeah. and giggles. Yeah. Yeah. No. no, I know. I know that feeling because unfortunately, my grandmother, which I never expected for this to happen, but um, so I, my sexual abuse happened from, I think it was start of like four to like I was 10. It was a step cousin. And I would get brought over to my aunt and uncle's house after school some days. And he lived there and he would just bring me up to his room. And um, so when I was getting married, (laughs) I said to my grandmother, I do not want him there. And Mm -hmm. she said, he has to come. Now, he did a lot of horrible things. He stole money from my grandparents at one point. He was not a good person in general. And I said, I don't want him there. Like, it's just, don't don't make me get into it. I don't want it there. Believe me when I say I don't want it. Now, this is a person I've always told, like, my family, like, I, I, I'm not comfortable. I don't want to be there. He's going to be there. I just don't like him. He's not a good guy, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And they would always push me. So finally, I was like, I got to put my foot down. I told my grandmother. And she was just like, all right, well, we're not going to, you know, basically, like, we're not going to mention this. Kind of like you, Janet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And I was like, this is why. I never told anybody. This mm-hmm. is why I told I told one aunt, um, my other uncle's wife, um, and my cousins on that side. They they knew because I had to tell somebody in my life, you know, like mm-hmm. or else I was just gonna go crazy. Um, and they knew, but like to, to to like tell her and just her being like, just taking it in. I was like, hmm, you know. So that was like the only time my grandmother ever like hurt me. I don't mm-hmm. think she could really process it though. Like, mm-hmm. I understand. It was, like, years later. I'm getting married. Like, she's older now, you know, and I hated doing it because I never want to be a bother or hurt people around me right. ever, ever. Right. So I literally take this on my whole entire life. And then I got therapy. You know, I, I got therapy on my own dealing with it. But, like, I don't know. But to even tell my mom, it would have probably have been – she probably wouldn't have believed me. 
or something like that, you know? So you said something right there that I want to point out to a lot of people that go through these issues um, with a bad relationship with their mom growing up. Um, you become, because you've had such a deficit of uh, emotional attachment, affection, uh, love, all of the positive things, you then become a people pleaser, right? And you don't want anyone to hurt. You don't want anyone to be upset. You want everyone to accept you. Um, you know, you want people to think you can't do anything wrong. And, and it becomes this cycle of you, you were never accepted by your mom. And so you have to make other people accept you or want to accept you. Because it's that need or that lack of, you know, the emotional um, love and all that stuff and support and whatever growing up that you become then in turn. <laughs> she just flipped me off. <laughs> but you, you in turn become that um, where you're like a sponge trying to soak it up from any person that, that you can find. And that is why we get into such shitty relationships that are toxic, mm -hmm. um, not just with significant others, but with friends in general, because we are so craving that need for um, attention, affection, love, support, whatever, that we then seek that out from the wrong sources. Yep. Well, and I think that too, but then <clears throat> when you do finally find your voice or start to heal or whatever terminology mm -hmm. you want to use mm -hmm. because you weren't, you didn't learn that as a kid. Right. I've then been accused of, well, you're too confrontational. You're too um, intimidating. You're like, I'm now too strong because I never learned to meter that or mm -hmm. control that as a kid. So right. I went from, well, you were always so meek and mild and you just went along with everything to now you're just being defiant and you're opposing everything and you're just argumentative and it's like, well, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. And it's not just with the people like your mother or whatever, it becomes, mm -hmm. you're then trying to use your voice, but you have to learn to do it in an adult way because you never learned to do it as a kid. Correct. And it causes problems because mm -hmm. you're like, but now I have this voice and I'm using it and everyone's mad at me for that too. Mm -hmm. And that then also shuts you down because you're like, well, if I'm quiet, that's bad. And if I speak up too loud, that's also bad. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? Well, and that's the thing is that you need to, you need to find that respect and love for yourself and not let other people tell you again in a controlling, manipulative kind of way when it's okay for you to speak, when it's okay for you to be quiet uh, how loud you can talk, what you can talk about, you know, whatever. You have to find that acceptance in yourself and know, you know, that you were made the way that you are and you're a wonderful, beautiful, you know, fantastic human being. And regardless of that void or that deficit that they created, you know, in us because they either were too lazy or just didn't know how um, to adult. 
um, that passes on to us and then it becomes our job um, as adults or even teenagers or whatever to take that and to run with that and decide who you are as a person and what you want to be as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, it, it, there comes a time in life where you, you have to confront these things that were in the past and, and discover like why you've had a series of shitty relationships, why you um, struggle to uh, not take old baggage from bad relationships into new relationships you know, you have to, you have to confront those things and look at them and be able to, um, you know, move forward with that and, and to create your own personality and know that you are a good, decent, genuine, loving human being, even if other people didn't instill that or couldn't see that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> so, Miss L, it is your turn, my dear. So tell me what your relationship with your mom was growing up and then what it has morphed into as an adult. So before I get started, Rosie, I want you to know I was listening the whole time, but like I kept having to like look away or like cover my mouth because like I was processing as you're talking. Uh -huh. so I don't want you to think that like I was ignoring you. Like I'm just literally like processing as you're talking and like it wasn't like grinning because I was happy. It was like this. Like, weird things I was story. like, what a bitch. What is she <laughs> I know. She already I flipped knew. me off. Jeez. She's Listen. sassy as hell today. What's going on with you? No, I no. just, like, I'm listening to this going, holy shit. I like, know. I'm just kidding. I knew what you were doing. It's oh, a lot to take in, you know? When, when you're telling your own yeah. story, you relived it. I'm like, oh, a zombie uh -huh. to it at this right. point. So I'm sure what you're going to yeah. have to say is, like, same thing. I get it. <laughs> I just, I want, I felt, like, I'm, like, trying to control my face, but I'm really bad at controlling my face, so... <laughs> Control your face, Ellie. Dang it. <laughs> we don't have to control our faces or our emotions here because that's what it's for is to get stuff out. Yeah. Fair. I just, I didn't want it to like be, and I was fairly certain you weren't going to think that, but like also <laughs> you put out this video and people are like watching me. They're like, what is she doing? And it's like, <laughs> Yeah, if people could see the whole thing, it would be hilarious. <laughs> so, I I have this, I guess, complex relationship with my mom. I love mm -hmm. her, but I think because my sister and I were the kids she didn't expect. Mm -hmm. um, we were both, and still are medically complex children so I was a complete surprise my hands my heart surgery like everything like that I was a very medically expensive baby even with insurance and being told even at six years old well we had to mortgage the house to pay your medical bills you're the million dollar baby you're the million dollar baby uh, we, we had to have a life insurance policy on you because we thought you were going to die and how would we pay your medical bills otherwise and like being told that in like any very young age is a huge responsibility and burden when it's like well like and i would be like oh well, i'm sorry like but thank you like how do you respond to that as a child? right right you're supposed to be so grateful you know right like mm -hmm. thanks for the fact that yeah. living question mark like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. know how to respond to and, that and and thanks uh 
yeah, like I was planning on having heart surgery and, you know, right. I yeah. was planning on all these health issues. Yeah. And like, I would be told, she was like, well, we could never keep a babysitter for you before you were, um, before your heart surgery. Cause you know, you would turn blue and just people thought you were going to die. So like I had trouble, you know, work, my work was always mad at me. And I'm like, I had surgery at seven months old. Like, why am I apologizing for crying as a baby and then almost dying? Like, that's a mm -hmm. really twisted thing right? to think about. And uh, my sister has cerebral palsy. So she's a year and a half younger than me. So mine's purely physical. Hers is purely mental. And my mom has stated, she's like, you know, this isn't the life I thought I would have. You know, I, she comes from one of nine kids. So she's number seven and then there's she has a younger brother and a younger sister and some of the some of them had kids some of them didn't but my mom was very devoted to her mom and we would drive six to seven hours twice a month to go visit my grandmother um because my papa died when i was three so like it's just this she was very devoted to her and um, you know, always called her on the way home when she, on her way home from work. And I did not have that same type of connection with my mom of like, I want to call you every day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I realize I'm jumping between kids and, uh, you know, college and I apologize. That's all right. Um, However it, it comes out is meant to be. Part of me understands it in the sense of like she went through her own stuff. But at the same time, it's like some of the stuff she's done is really messed up. And so you try, at least I try to empathize with her and like forgive her because recognizing that holding on to that isn't going to serve me in any way. Mm -hmm. But when I've tried to like bring up stuff from like, hey, when I was a kid, you did this and this made me feel this way. That never happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like at that point, the conversation shut down, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm like, well, you would always tell me about, you know, the medical bills or uh, the big thing was that she couldn't stand to see me cry. So kind of like you, Rosie. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. with all my medical procedures, shit hurts. I had metal pins drilled into my arm. My arm was like surgically broken. Like I'm going to cry. Mm -hmm. You can't cry in front of people. You can't cry in front of people. And so I like learned to cry silently. Like I actually have a lot of trouble now making noise if I cry. And Mike mm -hmm. has like pointed out, my husband has pointed out, he's like, like you can make noise. Like, like it's okay. Like, and I'm like, no. And I'll get like really angry. Like mm -hmm. I have to be quiet. And it was just this, a lot of stuff revolved around my medical stuff. Mm -hmm. And because of, my sister still lives with them, she'll vent about my sister and I'm like then let her come live with me mm -hmm. well no I can't do that you know th that's only for when we when we die I'm like okay well then like don't complain that you have to do this stuff like like these and basically don't complain that she's still alive yeah well kind you know of what I mean well it's either you want me to take care of her or you're going to take care of her 
And if like you can't or you're unable or like you want to go on vacation, like you and dad want to go on vacation, like go, like I'll watch her. Mm -hmm. Like I understand she can't be left home alone for days on end. And it becomes this self-sacrificial thing of, well, no, it's fine. Like martyry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mom does that shit too. She's Mm -hmm. a martyr. I'm just like. Yeah. I remember it was similar to you. I went to college and there were three colleges in the state of Michigan that had my bachelor's degree. One was like 45 minutes away. One was like 12 or 13 hours away. And one was like three hours away. And I ended up going to the one that was three hours away. And for legitimate reasons. And like they actually had a lab program and all this other stuff. And it was, but my parents took out loans to help pay for me for college. So all my bachelor's loans were not only in my name. It was like a 75-25 split. And so what would happen is the loan would come in, let's say for, I don't know, let's say there'd be $10,000 left over or some shit or $5,000 left over. And that was meant to pay your rent and your food and whatever for the semester. Mm-hmm. And so my parents or my mom, she would take, even though part of it was in my name, she would take the money out of my bank account, take her portion that was in her bank account from her leftover, pay down the loan. And then she, if I needed groceries or whatever, she would always, she was very free with it. Like, yeah, if you need groceries, like go pay this. You want a dress off Amazon? Like it was not that she was stingy with the money. And I remember my junior year, sophomore or junior year of college, I was like, mom, I want to show you I can do money. Like, I want to show you that I can budget if I get this lump sum, that I can budget out this money and make it last from September to December. Like, I want to show you that I can do that. No, no, no. What if I made you a budget? Like, I, I want to prove to you that I can be an adult, right? Like, the car was in their name, their insurance, the registration. So it was just like groceries, um, textbooks, things like that, that I would have to pay for. And it wasn't, and, and I think $5,000 was actually too much, but you get the point. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. And I was like, at this point I'm 19. And I got really upset and I was like, fine. So I watched my bank account and the day that it came through, because I can't take my mom off my bank account, but I could open a new one and move all the money over. And that's what I did. And my dad calls me. He's like, what did you do? I was like, what do you mean? He, he's like, the money's gone. I was like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to show you I can do it. Well, your mom is very upset. She can't even talk to you. Like, I was like, okay. Well, this was at, you know, the end of August, beginning of September. She refused to talk to me until like November, like would not say anything. Occasionally my dad would like call and like check in and he would say the things like, oh, you know, your mom is heartbroken. Like you really, like you really hurt her. And I was like, dad, it was my money. Like I'm not, I'm also not asking you guys for gas money. I'm not asking you guys for money for groceries. Like Mm -hmm. I'm showing you I can be an adult well, you really hurt your mother and you don't trust her. And I was like, 
You mean because you took away the manipulation and control? So I got mad. <laughs> right. I got so mad. And he's like, well, <clears throat> he's like, if you don't make up, um, he's like, Thanksgiving is coming up. You you need to make up with your mother. I said, no, I don't. I'll just stay here for Thanksgiving. And apparently he went and told my mom that and she became irate because me not showing up for Thanksgiving would look really bad on the family. Mm-hmm. Really bad. My grandmother was still alive. It was like holidays were a big thing. Um, he's like, you can't do that. I was like, yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can. I will stay here. Um, and I said, and I'll stay here for Christmas too. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can. Like, mm-hmm. It'll be a little tight. Well, yeah, because you you are getting your independence and you're finding your voice and you're getting your voice. So I remember she finally calls me and she's like, what do we like? What do I have to do? Like, why are you doing this? (laughs) And mind you, my college is like two and a half, three hours away. I said, I've been going to therapy. You should have been getting the bills. Because I was on my parents' medical insurance. You need to come to a therapy session with me. Mm-hmm. She's like, what? I was like, yep, it's at this day at this time. And then we'll see. And then I'll consider coming home for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. She, <laughs> she was so pissed. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> she came, but she sat there the entire time just fuming. Mm-hmm. Fuming. Yeah. Um, because it looks bad on her. And she had yeah. to take a day off work and she had to drive this far and her back hurts. And mm-hmm. like, and this was obviously before Zoom and shit. So like, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. I ended up going home for Thanksgiving. And um, I think after that, because then at that point, the money was just going to my bank account. They like they, they weren't on it. So they didn't have a choice at that point. It became a non-issue after the next semester. Because I was like, yeah, no, I'm just not going to add you to my bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was, well, what can I buy you? Mm-hmm. My mom was very, uh-huh. um, when I was sick or hurt, right? It wasn't like, here, let me hug you. Or here, like, let's right. talk about it. It was, what can I buy you? Same. Right. Want to go shopping? Same. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like and It's a manipulation tactic. And still her, and one could argue, well, that's just her love language is giving gifts. But like I didn't need all that stuff as a kid. But here's the thing with the people that say it's the love language of giving gifts. When it's used in only certain instances, like when they screwed up, um, that is not a love language because if it was a love language, you would literally do it all the time. You would give gifts all the time. Yeah. Right. But instead, it's used as a form of manipulation. I don't have that emotional connection with you or that love connection with you. But let me buy you out of your mood. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me uh, buy you something because I want something from you. Yeah. So there's a huge difference. I was like, maybe eight, nine. So it was before my arm surgeries. Uh one of my aunts, like, is an alcoholic, like, no, not, like, just a functioning alcoholic, like, legitimately just an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was New Year's Eve, and we were getting ready to leave, 
And because I didn't say goodbye to her first, she started, she put me in a chokehold and was choking me up against the couch. And two of my cousins saw it and pulled her off of me. So they and me went and told my mom, hey, aunt whatever did this. And my mom's response was, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, like, look, so-and-so, like, pulled aunt so-and-so off. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember over the next couple of days, her being like, well, I don't know what to do because she helps me clean grandma's house. If I say something, it's going to make grandma feel bad and it's going to make aunt so-and-so feel bad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I like, I can't say anything to her. And I'm like, what the, do you mean you can't say anything to her? Mm-hmm. And she did end up saying something to her, but then it was this, well, I told aunt so-and-so and aunt so-and-so is still upset. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be awkward at grandma's house or now aunt so-and-so won't help me clean grandma's house. So you have to come and do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how manipulation, how, how yeah. am I in trouble for this? Mm-hmm. Spinning. They, they know how to spin arguments and put it on you no matter what it's so let me let me ask this um and and this is for rosie and and i'll give you my answer as well yeah um was there drinking involved in your family rosie there was not my mom is not a drinker alcohol you know drug no not none of that no i mean my grandfather's the italian we would have wine with dinner but my mother actually never drank so Mm -hmm. it wasn't it's it was on her own accord. <laughs> See, and that and that was part of my family. Like both sides have has like massive, you know, alcoholics or whatever. And I can remember my parents drinking a lot when mm. I was growing up. And it was like always having a drink with the neighbor or, you know, they're working out in the yard. Hey, get me a drink. I used to have to go make them a drink. You know what I mean? I always had a liquor cabinet the whole nine yards. And then it's funny to me that that kind of like stopped and then the hypocrisy came in. Like if I wanted to have a beer as an adult, Mm. you shouldn't drink. Uh, Like you're such a, you're such a awful person because you had a beer. Uh, Like like even the, still the manipulation at my age and I'm in my fifties still happens, you know, and it's like, Oh, you shouldn't drink, drink and make you an awful person. You shouldn't do that. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you does that mean you're a shit person too? See, yeah. mine's you know? the opposite. So my dad will, like, I've had him, I've seen him, like, drink a couple beers or at a party, like, at the house where he's not driving. Like, I've seen my dad drunk a couple times in my entire life. Mm-hmm. My mom puts down beer like it's nobody's business. My mom drinks like a fish. And mm-hmm. even in high school, because we would make pierogies at Christmas, I remember being, like, 13 and we'd make pierogies in my in our basement. Um, and my mom would try and continually at 13, well, don't you want a shot of apple pucker? It tastes good. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Like, I don't know. I don't. Mm-hmm. And she would push me. And so would my aunt. And like, it was this thing, like, you have to drink. You have to drink. And I'd be like, and I tried it a couple times. I'm like, I really don't like it. Like, I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like the way it, like, it tastes. Oh, you don't like the way it tastes here. Let's have something else. Mm-hmm. And so now as an adult, because I don't drink, mm-hmm. like I've tried, I hate the way it makes me feel like 
I've seen people who are drunk. I don't find it funny. Mm-hmm. I find it like really like almost scary to an extent, like, mm-hmm. cause some people can, they, they can switch like a light switch. Very violent. Um, yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, well, you just think you're better than everyone. I remember uh, telling mm-hmm. my mom, I wanted to have my first wedding to be a dry wedding. And she goes, well, no one's going to come then. I was like, Okay why would you do that to me? And I was like, what do you mean do that to you? It's my wedding. Well, I'm paying for it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, like, I don't want alcohol at my wedding. I know what it does to the family. Like I know mm-hmm. what it does. I don't want it there. Right. I lost that battle. Cause she was paying for it. Um, but now that I don't drink even other members of my family, when I've gone to family reunions, well, are you pregnant? No. Why? Well, you're not drinking. Mm-hmm. And I saw this meme and I thought it was great. If someone doesn't like mayonnaise, you don't ask them and interrogate them as to why you don't like mayonnaise. You just mm-hmm. say, okay. But if I say I don't drink, mm-hmm. it's, well, you're a prude and you must hate everyone who drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, like, I just don't like it for me. If you want to do it, you do you. But also, mm-hmm. depending upon who you are in my relationship with you, I know how you get when you drink. Mm-hmm. I remember telling my mom, I was like, you know. And I'm like trying to like open her eyes to it and like, and I was like, you know, you know, you're complaining of these symptoms. You do drink a lot of beer. Like, have you thought of cutting back? I don't drink that much. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to go to bottle returns unless you come and visit. So Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) like, like, yeah, you kind of do. And she's like, and I never drank when you were a kid. You know, I didn't drink until you were out of the house and, you know, in college. And I'm like, Mm. and I'm like thinking, and I like start to like, I listed a couple memories and she's like, that never happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, and I'm not saying Mm -hmm. she was a mean drunk necessarily. Like she, she was not the one who choked me. She's never been physically violent. But if anyone consumes alcohol in excess, your personality changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's yeah, not- that's- oh. go ahead. No, I didn't. I didn't want to change the subject. So you go ahead. But there was something I wanted to say before I forget. No, say it before you forget. Remember, you said before you don't have daddy issues. Yeah, and so I don't have. I didn't really grow up with a dad, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but I grew up with a really great grandfather right. and some uncles. I, throughout my life, have looked for, like, a mom, a replacement for my mom, like, yeah. in everybody. Like, mm-hmm. I I did not grow up with a dad, and I do not have daddy issues. Like, I'm cool with the men, mm-hmm. totally. But my mom brought me to the point where, like, I used to only try to work for women. I, I went to work at a very young age, you know, and I would only work for, like, strong women. I looked up to strong women because my mom I looked she was so weak to me fragile yes mm-hmm. and so she and she still is I mean she's gotten worse the fragility is off mm-hmm. the charts um but yeah so I just found that interesting that you said it too because I did not lack that feeling but I'm still god you really do that that mom thing just hits you right in the heart you know it's mm-hmm. like I just wish she could see how damaging. I just want to, sh- I mean, sure, Janet, you feel that same way too. It's like, mm-hmm. you just want to like shake them and be like, you're ruining us. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, the, the funny thing about that is though, um, 
like I, I carried this with me like through most of my adulthood. And then when I finally realized and I was like, you know, these are the problems with our relationships with my mom and my dad, but more so with my mom. And I would bring things to her attention and she would get so defensive and she would like snap at me or cut off the conversation or just literally not talk to me for years. Silent treatment. <laughs> Which has been the uh, thing in my mm -hmm. adult life um, is that cutting off of the relationship because I'm not going to be a yes person. I'm not going to agree with you all the time. I'm not going to say you're right. Um, I'm not going to say that your manipulation uh, is a great idea. <clears throat> uh, I don't believe in treating other people like horseshit all the time, you know? And so I would tell her these things, this is what I see. And it was like, it almost instantaneously like put on boxing gloves. Mm -hmm. And then it would be like, well, you're a shit person. That's what you are. You're just a shit person because you're not going to do what I say. Mm -hmm. I'm an adult. I got free will. I don't have to do what you say. And I don't have to be controlled by your mannerisms and your way of speaking and thinking and, and all of that stuff anymore. I remember in January, I went down and I was visiting my parents and my sister. And um, my sister is very much a squirrel and in the sense of like she gets distracted very easily and she can talk to anyone about anything. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so she would be at like these job coaching places like, you know, stocking shelves or a Goodwill or something like that with a job coach. And the constant feedback was um, she's going to have trouble without a job coach because she gets very distracted and all she wants to do is talk. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mind you again, my sister has cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. And so they found out, I think like the day or the day after they had gotten down there. I hadn't seen him since August. Like, and my sister was all excited for her graduation. Well, both of my parents get really upset with her because they want her to have a job and um, not because they needed the money, but to like get her out of the house. Mm -hmm. And this was something that she wanted and things like that. And... My dad said some things and I lost my shit on my dad and my mom was saying some things. So then my sister started saying things like, I'm so horrible and I'm so bad and I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. And I told both my parents, I was like, she's like a little kid. She hasn't come up with these things on her own. She's mm -hmm. saying these things because that's what she hears you talk about mm -hmm. in regards yeah. to her. She's mm -hmm. saying these things because she's learning them from you. Mm -hmm. And they both stopped and looked at me. I was like, you're not going to talk to her like that. I will take her with me. Mm -hmm. And they're like, and they got all whatever. And then the next day, my mom, they, they both then very much changed their tone and their tune with my sister and like what they were saying, at least while I was down there. But then my mom, you know, wanted to have this deep conversation about why I don't call her all the time. Like she did her mom, mm -hmm. why her and I don't have this deep connection and this deep relationship like she did with her mom. And I'm like, mom, you would complain about grandma. You would complain about all of these different things. I said, you know, I was like, you can call me. I said, but if I'm busy, like I can't necessarily always answer the phone. Well, you just get mad when I call you. So I just have to wait. But then I never know what you're doing. And I miss you. And it became like this giant guilt trip. Mm -hmm. And I had done a lot of work. And so like I'm responding 
and talking to her in the way that I'm talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the past, I would get emotional and I would cry and mm-hmm. I would raise my voice. Well, you just think you're better than me. You're so unemotional. And I'm like, I, I, I don't think that. I'm trying to have a conversation with you. Like, I'm not accusing you of anything. Like, I'm trying to point out things from my point of view. I'm like, I'm very intentional with my language. And it was mm-hmm. still this, uh, I'm this horrible person, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm right. like, yeah. I, I came home and I told Mike and I was like, I know we don't have kids yet. I don't know when we have, bio- like him and I have our kids, mm-hmm. how to uh, have my kids be around her. Mm-hmm. Like I love my dad, but I don't know, like I would never let them like babysit my kids. Right. And that's the thing <laughs> is, is, you know, and that, that goes along with like the generational trauma Um uh, you have to be able to set those boundaries, um, you know, as far as not just yourself, but w- when you have kids, you have to set those boundaries and be like, okay, um, you're not mothering my children. This is the way we do things in my house. And this is the way it's going to be. Because the way I raised my daughter was very, very different than the way I was raised. Well, you know, I even told you, Janet, I was like, when I give birth... Mm-hmm. I'm not calling my mom. I'm calling mm-hmm. you. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I want you to be there, not my mother. I have a story I will about do it. that. I have a story, a personal one about yeah, that. So my mom is very weird. Like, so, okay. She told me my whole life, if you get pregnant, you're going to probably die because so many people die during pregnancy. So my whole life, I was terrified to become pregnant. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also told me like, like a lot of threats, like in high school, but mm-hmm. I didn't, I was, I, I was terrified. I barely kissed anyone in high school. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ever get pregnant, me and your grandfather are going to take you up to Rochester. I don't know. And get an abortion immediately. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you better keep your legs together. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. Like in my Catholic school uniform, like, okay, mom. <laughs> right. There's no boys at our school, but okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> like you're scaring the living shit out of me as, as usual. Mm-hmm. Like it just add to it, you know? Um, so anyway, yeah. So the whole death thing. So she put it on my whole, my, my psyche. You're going to just die if you have mm-hmm. a child. So I ended up adopting my first child guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, my parents helped financially with the adoption. That's a whole other issue. When when I met Nico, you know, we fell in love and I was and I was at a point where my parents were actually I, I went through my divorce. My parents weren't even that close to me. They were being very my mom especially was being very mean to me. Really mm-hmm. mean. I mean, she was always mean, but this this was like beyond. She didn't like Nico. Uh she hung out with my ex. She would take him to dinner all the time. Mm-hmm. It was like uh, she took a side, which is very weird. Um, no, it's not. And okay. let me tell, you, let, yeah, let me okay. tell you why. Because you've got two manipulative personalities that are drawn together. That mm-hmm. energy like draws each other together. Yeah. She doesn't like Nico because Nico is a very positive person and his energy is very positive. Yeah. And that's why that shift was toward the ex-husband. Yeah. I have a question about your story, Rosie. Yeah. With your ex, was there ever times where like you guys would get into a fight or something and 
you or your mom would see it and she knew that like things weren't well between you and your ex like did she ever see you guys fight or anything like that or did you tell her about it some well not i mean sometimes but not really like okay. uh, no not really because okay. yeah I, I, or the fighting with her was just so constant gotcha i i, I didn't mm -hmm. really fight i'm not a fighter i i really didn't fight much with my ex because i fought so much with my mom it was almost exhausting Fair he was he was a lack of he didn't communicate with me like anyway gotcha. so when when uh, we had the baby right i said this when i was pregnant going through labor sorry I said, I, I don't want her in there. Like, I just want it to be me and you, Nico, because I don't need that grief. Stress. Mm -hmm. Stress. You're going to die. Oh, right. my God. The screaming, the crying. The drama. Know. Right. I don't need that. Mm -hmm. I'm, like, centered. And I'm, like, ready to do this, right? Face one of my greatest fears because, well, I told you were going to die. Yeah. Um, so, but I knew I wasn't when mm -hmm. I finally got pregnant. Anyway have the baby. I guess the whole time Nico told me my mom is like pissed in the waiting room. Pissed. So I, I, I'm like laying there and I just gave birth and I was like, okay, like, does anyone want to come in? You know, you know, like see the baby. My mom and her best friend came in and she walked up to me. She went like this. Cute. Okay. Bye. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And left. And her best friend was like, who is a, who is a lot like me, her best friend, mm -hmm. was like, what? Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, your daughter just had a baby. Mm -hmm. Like, let's give her, like, you don't want. She's like, no, I'm good. I'll talk to you later. She didn't mm -hmm. need me in here. So it's, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Good. And the relationship is off between my mom and my little guy. It's mm -hmm. not because it's she's he's too much like me. Mm -hmm. We look alike, we act alike, and it's almost like she can't really bond with him the way she bonded with my older one, who mm -hmm. she's invested in, if you know what I mean. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that way. Um yeah. and it's like she feels like she has control with that because mm -hmm. of she helped, you know. Right. But yeah, I see it every day. I see it every day. Like the little guy just wants to hang out with his Gigi and she pushes him away. Mm -hmm. And it makes me sick because I'm like, I can see it. I can, I'm like, here we go again. Mm -hmm. It's a vicious cycle. But right. the older one who is not biologically hers, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like the prince. Like, oh my God, like he can do no wrong, mm -hmm. you know? And what so was, it's just really what interesting. What do you think she would do if she was just like, listen, or if you were like, listen, you can't treat the older one and the younger one this different. So until you sort this out, uh, we're just going to cut off communication for a bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do it all the time. <laughs> I, I always say, unfortunately, we live next door to each other. So oh, it's a Lord. Little, yeah. Oh, I, I, right, okay. <laughs> so... And he no. goes like, this is good. It's like facing the demon like head on. And <laughs> I, I literally, can't. literally. I, I'm like ready to move already because I don't, I can't take it anymore. Um, but um, I thought it was going to be great because I was like, you know what? It's going to be different with the kids. Like she's so close to my older one. Now, now my little one, maybe this will change her. Honestly, because I like to give everyone a chance. Maybe this will yeah. change mm -hmm. her. And all of a sudden she'll be that grandma, you know? Mm -hmm. it's not, it, it ain't cutting it she'll never watch them 
She never takes him where the older one, they take everywhere with him. Mm -hmm. they, I mean, he's like, they treat him so differently. And I say, you can't do that, mom. You're making it so obvious. See, and that is the way I grew up because I was the youngest. Mm -hmm. And so favoritism was very blatant in our house and I was not it. Mm. Right. And so it's, Oh my God, why can't you be like your sister? Why can't you be like your brother? Why aren't you as smart as them? Why aren't you as athletic as them? Why aren't you blah, 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 all the time. And it was like always paying for shit for my sister and always like going overboard for her. Oh, well you can have her hand me downs. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to buy anything new for you, but Oh my God, we're going to take her school shopping and it's going to be so exciting. And so that is the way I grew up, like knowing and being shown repeatedly that I wasn't good enough. Um, I wasn't loved enough. I wasn't respected. There was no like hugging, affection, uh, like none of that stuff. And my mom would constantly like flip my dad off behind his back. And so I'm always seeing this or she'll be like, fuck you like behind his back and stuff. And so that's what I'm picking up as mm -hmm. a quote, loving household. Right. And so it took me so long to understand that I did not know how to be loved or give love, you know? And so I went through that string of like awful relationship, awful friends you know, the whole nine yards until I finally was like, you know what? And it just like, it's almost like somebody like punched me in the head and went, duh, this is, duh, this is what's wrong with you. So what kind of, what kind of thing happened for both of you ladies to like, see what the problems are and like start trying to address or fix things. Yeah. For, for me, boundaries are the biggest thing, like setting my boundaries. Um, so she will call incessantly, incessantly mm -hmm. until she gets me. And, and then I'm not a phone talker. And so I'll just be like, what's going on eventually during a text, call mm -hmm. me. And then I realize it's a trap. So mm -hmm. I've had to really learn that, but, but really setting boundaries, you know, not letting her, completely control every situation you know but when, she, did, when did you when did you realize things were uh, like a problem with her mm -hmm. when did you realize that you had I guess mom issues and you needed to change some things well I, I I think really like a young age when I was saying when she would like not comfort me and run away and scream when mm -hmm. I hurt myself um and totally, totally going to college when that mm -hmm. incident happened, when I didn't spend my birthday, when I told her I wasn't going to spend my birthday with her and she mm -hmm. beat me up. And I was like, that's like, this is insane. I'm an 18 year old woman at this point. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm still living home, but like I'm going to college. I met all these new friends and you're just mad and you're jealous. Mm -hmm. So I saw a lot of jealousy coming right. up too between with, with her. You right. know, and it, it was weird. And it's like something I never wanted to admit, you mm -hmm. know, and that's something kind of Nico has brought to light for me. Like there's jealousy there. I love that you said that because 
So you guys, you both know like what has gone on in my life lately. Yes. So when I'm in Indiana taking care of my daughter after surgery, my mom texts me and she's like, so um, like, I want to go out for dinner. Mind you, my daughter can't eat yet. Right. Mm -hmm. After this surgery. (laughs) So she's like, "Um, I want to go out for dinner and I'm going to invite your brother and his wife and uh, let's go at blah, blah, blah time. And I was like, probably not a great idea. She can't eat. She doesn't feel well and we're not going to go. And it's like instant, hateful, shitty, like jealousness because I wasn't going to go and spend time with her because I was spending time with someone else who actually needed me. Yep. So I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. that is a, that's a thing. Jealousy is a big thing. And it, it, it's a very hard thing to admit when you mm-hmm. have a mother that's jealous, but mm-hmm. it's, you got to, or else you will never be able to heal from that. Mm-hmm. But admitting it is big, but the, the, the going out to dinner is very interesting that you say that too, because our little guy is celiac disease and dairy mm-hmm. allergies. So going out to dinner is not fun for us. And it only right. makes him sad. Right. So, like, and she's constantly like, let's go out to dinner. And I'm like, no, because it's not good for him because mm-hmm. he can't order like anything unless we find a place that's like a vegan right. restaurant. You know what I mean? Right. And she, then she's like, well, I don't No one else likes that. No one else likes that. What's the other mm-hmm. guy? I, I don't want to say his name. But yeah, my, yeah, yeah. What, right. What's your older right. son going to have? And I'm like, anything he wants. There's never a thought for that, for the little one, you know, right. I mean? and then she just ends up getting mad and then forget it, you know, well, it's, it, it's so funny, this whole dinner thing, right? Uh, so both Mike and I have food allergies now, and a couple of them are airborne and one of his is fish. Well, mm-hmm. my parents live in Florida. So like every restaurant down there serves fish. fish. <laughs> yes. And so we were supposed to go down for, I, so I was there in January. We were supposed to go down for Easter it didn't happen but that's a whole other thing um but i i told my mom i was like so i know you guys really like to go out to dinner and like that's your way of like showing hospitality and we really appreciate that but because of my allergies and mike's allergies um like we're really not gonna be able to do that so how about we plan some meals at home you know we we can make a really big barbecue like we can invite aunt and uncle so-and-so over like Mm -hmm. well I, i i really like going out Right. But if Mike smells it or there's cross contamination, like I really like the anaphylaxis, that would ruin the vacation. Like, let's <laughs> right. really ruin shit, right? And she's like, well, there has to be some restaurants. And I was like, if we come down, I will call restaurants and I will ask them all the questions. And if they answer the right way, you know, maybe I'll, I'll find something. Oh, okay, good. Like, let me know. And I'm like, ugh. Right. You do all that extra work to accommodate my feelings, please. Yep. Yeah. I was it like, doesn't matter that your husband could get anaphylactic and die. Uh, as long I as I'm my as baby. long as I'm happy because I get to go out. Right. Like I get that you like to do that, but also like Mike and I we're not big on like going out and just sitting there listening to like live music. Like it can be fun, mm-hmm. but if there's food like that. Uh, like that could be dangerous. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 
That's so, That's so weird. So, <laughs> so L, when did yeah. when did you realize like the issues with your relationship with your mom? Realized like a hundred percent realized was probably with the bank account in college, mm-hmm. but then me doing something about it. Mm-hmm. And this is actually the story that I was going to tell with Rosie. So it's funny you asked the question. Um. When I left my ex-husband, Mike, my now husband, gave me a place to stay because it was not safe for me to stay in my house. Mm-hmm. And um, he, so she's always been like very controlling of my dad. And that's a whole separate conversation. So I had maybe... I was staying at Mike's for a few days and my ex-husband had called my parents and I hadn't yet told them that I had left my ex-husband and my ex-husband had, and we're just going to call him Bob for the sake of the easy story. So Bob told my parents um, that I had left and I was staying with some guy and he didn't know where I was. And so I remember waking up one Saturday morning and my dad goes, call me when you wake up. I want to see you. Well, I live in Connecticut and my parents lived in Michigan at the time. And I immediately called my dad and I was like, what do you mean see me? He's like, oh, well, I'm at the hotel so-and-so. I found out the city you were in. Um, You need to come see me. And I was like, what? So I wake up Mike and I'm like, my dad's in town. He wants to see me and he's also demanding to see you. And Mike's like, what? He's like, I got to go pick up the little one like he's like what is happening I was like I don't know so I go and meet my dad and it's just him and apparently he's like well your mom sent me and that was like the first clue I was Mm -hmm. like okay (laughs) he's like I roll yep he's like you know Bob called us and told us and you know we're really not happy with this and what is happening and you need to go back to him and divorce isn't an option And, you know, your mother's really upset. And I was like, what does my marriage or -hmm. dissolution of have anything to do with you? Like, why? Like, this wasn't like, hey, are you okay? Mm -hmm. This was like, you're upsetting us. Family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I was like, dad, I was like, I'm fine. Like, I have my own job. I will find my own place. Like, it's been like four days. Mm -hmm. I don't have my own place yet. Like. He's like, well, why did you leave? And so I explained to him some of the things. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, I guess those are good reasons. Mm -hmm. And I've seen my dad evolve over in time, like his personality Mm -hmm. because of my mother. And he's like, well, do you think you'll get back with him? And I was like, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. Like, I I, I don't. I'm like, I'm not going back. Right. And apparently Bob, after this, apparently also tried to call my parents a couple more times. And then that's when I was like, I implemented very firm boundaries. And I was like, I will pay for the lawyer by myself. Because when I, divorces, especially if they're not amicable, which they were Mm -hmm. initially. Mm -hmm. um, Expensive. They can be expensive. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, you can't do this. You can't whatever. And I'm like. Yeah, I can. Like, are you going to help me pay for a lawyer because of 
the abuse that I told you about? Well, no, we don't really have the money. And I'm like, bullshit. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. I hear but that okay. a lot. Mm-hmm. But okay. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I paid for my lawyer. Um, they did help me out, ended up with like one thing, but it was just this, if they don't agree mm-hmm. and I need help, it's they don't have the money. Right. But if, if, if I called them today and I was like, hey, I want to come visit you in Florida right now, they wouldn't care if it was a $1,000 plane ticket. It'd be like, okay, here's the credit card number. Mm-hmm. So it's very like... Financial control is also a very, very big thing in families. I know it is an issue in mine because like you said, if it is something they agree with, uh, they have plenty of money. But if it's something they don't agree with um, or something that may look make them look bad or whatever, they don't. Um, and so, of course like our lives are so, so similar, like my going through the abuse and stuff and, and whatever with my ex-husband. And it's like, well, this is going to divorce is going to make us look bad uh, as a family. That's going to be a bad thing. Okay. But he's literally beating the hell out of me all of the time. Uh, Massive alcoholic, massive drug addict, uh, I'm like abusive to our daughter. I'm like, do you, well, I don't was, know. Do you think that's a great me, idea? What was wild to me is mm. when I was with my ex, we were making both. I was making nearly six figures. He was making over six figures. Mm-hmm. We should have been very well off financially. Mm-hmm. Yet somehow we were always in debt. Mm-hmm. And there were getting notices about the electric getting you know, mm-hmm. the electric could be shut off right. or whatever. Right. And even my counselor at the time, she's like, how is this a thing? Like, you guys should not be mm-hmm. like, and she was like asking questions beyond like what a therapist should like, hey, what was your rent? Hey, what's this? Hey, what's this? Mm-hmm. Well, he was taking my credit cards and racking up bills in my name. Mm-hmm. Well, then we'd have to go to my parents and ask for money. Mm-hmm. You would think that by then eliminating Bob out of our life, so then I wasn't asking them for money anymore, that would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right? But apparently mm-hmm. it was a bad thing. Like, Yeah, it's if it's not their idea, it's a bad idea. Yeah. And that, that still holds true for mine today. And it's like, and and I, I got to chuckle out of this because I spoke to her this morning, like before our show. And I know it's going to be a bad conversation when the conversation starts out. Hey, I was watching the Today Show and um, I think I know medically what's wrong with her. (laughs) With your daughter? (laughs) The Today Show. The Today Show. That'd be like telling me I was watching The View and I have this, you know, I've got her medical diagnosis. And so, like, I quickly shut down what she said, and then it's, like, instantly defensive, hateful, spiteful, uh, whatever. Yeah, because she she claimed that she was trying to help, and you don't ever want to listen. I get I'm just trying to be a good person. I'm just a good person. I'm only here to help, and no one, you know, everyone's mad at me all the time. 
everyone's well, always mad at me. You uh, never want to mm-hmm. talk to me. What did I do that was so wrong? <laughs> right. Yes. The, the victimhood. Yes. The victimhood card that they carry. Um, they should have an expiration date because it's like, you know, it's so like I don't deal with drama well. Mm-mm. And it's like so over the top, overly dramatic, literally all the time. Yeah. You know, when you say something they don't agree with or, or whatever. And then it's like, <gasps> yeah, but you can almost see like the hand on the forehead falling on the floor, having an adult tantrum, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, oh, you're hurting my feelings. Yeah. <gasps> oh my God. Why do you want to spend time with everyone else but me? <laughs> And I'm just like, do you not know? Do you like see anything that you've ever done that maybe wasn't okay? Still isn't okay as an adult that you're doing to me? I don't know. Well, I I do have to give credit to Mike. He doesn't try and like interject in things, but there's been a couple times where I've been like, because she likes to plan everything and like go all these places and do all these Mm -hmm. things. And I'm like, you guys now have a pool like how about we just hang out and like not do mm-hmm. anything you don't have to go spend money right and there's been more than once that mike has literally called my mom or texted her and just been like she just wants to spend time with you like can you please not make an insane itinerary mm-hmm. and that hurts her feelings Ooh, i can only imagine and she's like well i i just i just want to go and do stuff with her and he's like she she wants to do stuff with you just at home. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. want to be running around. Like you know. Well, and and it's funny that you said that because I'm at that age now where I just want a vacation where I can sit. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to like have show tickets at this time and go look at this and do that. Like if I want to go do something, we'll do it. But I don't want a whole planned itinerary. I don't want like. 14,000 screaming children. I want just like calm, peaceful, like, I don't know, sitting on the deck at a cabin, relaxing type thing. Yeah. And his life is chaotic. Right. Yeah. And Mike has pointed out to me, he's like, you know, sometimes you do, like, you do that, like, to me. And I was like, oh shit. Like, he's like, you try and plan. He's like, you get very upset if things aren't on schedule. He's like, you're, but he says it in like a very loving way, like not accusatory. And he's like, you're right. kind of doing what your mom, what your mom does, does. And mm-hmm. you complain that when she does it. And I'm like, oh shit. Like, okay. Like mm-hmm. I'll try and be more conscious of that. Like he's not trying to instigate a fight or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just more of a gentle pointing out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I but don't those- change your mind, we still go along with it. But like. Yeah. But those are things though that it's good that you have somebody like that that will point things like that out because you can do like all of the work to confront these issues and you know to to fix issues and I don't I don't mean by any means like repairing relationships with your with your mom that's not what I'm talking about but things inside of you. Mm-hmm. Um but there's always things that will surface that we haven't addressed yet. So it's good that you have him to like point things out and point you in the right direction so that you can learn, you know, on, on your journey and then approach it differently in the future. And Rosie, I know you have a little one, kind of an older one now and Janet, you have 
um, a daughter, I had seen this Adults. thing. <laughs> uh, implicit memory. And the guy was like, you know, do your kids ever do something that just maddens you? And like, you're like, why am I getting so angry about it? Like if they're whining or if they're um, being ungrateful or things like that, do you have like this, you're like, I don't understand why I'm so angry about it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, it's because when you were little and you did those things, which are very kid type behavior, mm-hmm. you were told you're bad, you're wrong, you're, you can't mm-hmm. say this, you can't cry, whatever. Right. And so because you haven't healed that part, that's why you're getting so mad at your kids. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit. All right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. so I don't know if YouTube ever experienced that, but I've noticed myself mm-hmm. do that a couple of times where with my stepdaughter, like I'll go to say something that my mom would say. Like, oh, well, I guess I'm a bad parent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, and in my head, I catch it before it comes out of my mouth. Yeah. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Like, that's not the right response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so careful of giving a guilt trip, especially because yeah. that's mm-hmm. that was so damaging and still <laughs> screws me up. So I'm like, I really want to think before I say something to them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, I, I do. I do catch myself or. You know, I, I was given the silent treatment. That was a big thing. So right. like she wouldn't talk to me for days. And I'm like mm-hmm. 10 years old. Like I want to, I need to talk to my mom. And mm-hmm. like, she would be like not talking to me for like, mm-hmm. you know, days on end. And like, I don't want, I never do that. But like, I've, I'll notice I'll be like, kind of like, I, I need a moment kind of thing. Right. And you're then, collecting then, yourself. Yes, but mm-hmm. then I question everything I'm doing. Cause I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I don't want him to think I'm giving any kind of a silent treatment because it was so damaging to me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I just, mommy just needs a minute. I just exactly. need a minute. And I'll be right back. Okay. I'm upset, but I just need a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then mm-hmm. I, I, I have to make sure I, I express that first yep. because nothing was ever expressed. Yes. To me. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing. Uh, we go through that like literally all the times, you know, she's, She's an adult now, a young adult. And so it's like the thing that gets me the most is the drama, like over dramatic and like instant anger about everything. And here's the thing. Um, when I first moved down here, uh, I had to petition the court uh, for her dad to let her move. Uh, Her dad hadn't seen her since she was two. Um, And by this time she was in uh, junior high. Uh, No, no high school. And so anyway, um, long story short, moved down here. She came, couldn't get her into the school system here. And so where we moved from had really good school systems. So (laughs) she went to finish out high school. So she stayed with my parents and she picked up the behavior from my mom. Mm-hmm. And so the instant temper and the hatefulness and all of that came out, which she was never like that before. And so a lot of times when situations arise now, I'll have to, you know, do the deep breathing and be like, okay, God, give me some patience and let's work this out. And I'll be like, why is this situation so uh, frustrating to you? Why are you so angry? 
um, explain to me your feelings, you know, and it's kind of like we have to like regress and go back to square one and address things sometimes, which, which helps me as well. Cause yeah. I'm like, okay. So all the times in my younger life when I was like quick to anger and stuff, I know now where I picked that up from. And so I have to be more mindful and respectful of how she approaches situations and whatnot and what I can do to like help her change and navigate through that behavior. Yeah. And you're triggered too, you know, because mm -hmm. of the way your mom, that mm -hmm. that's how her reactions were. So yeah. yeah, just being very careful about how you're doing it. I think it's, I think we feel like we have to go that extra mile now with our kids, mm -hmm. you know, because of right. what, and I'm fine with doing it. I just want to make sure I always say to me, go, if I'm anything like my mother, take me out to pasture and just mm -hmm. take me out because I don't right. want, you know what I mean? Like just shoot me. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is a lot of times what I heard growing up outside of, you know, like you're not good enough and why can't you be more like somebody else? Why can't you be smarter and prettier and more athletic and blah, 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 blah. Was if you do that, uh, you know, like they, it's these like old wives' taily things. Mm -hmm. If you eat chewing gum, a tree is going to grow on your stomach. If you uh, eat watermelon seeds, you're going to grow watermelons in there and then you're going to have your stomach explode. And I, I don't know, like all this yeah. dumb shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was always like not only instilling, um, like that, that culture of like, you're not enough. Uh, you're not good enough. You're not loved enough. You're not worthy of love, but also like fear of everything. And what, what do we see today is the most prevalent means of control, fear-based yeah. anything. Yeah. Well, it, like, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's interesting you say that. So legitimately, mm -hmm. right. There were points that um, my parents thought I was going to die. Well, up until about the age of 16, I regularly thought that I was going to die mm -hmm. because of my heart. Because they told um, you that all the time. Yeah. Right. They told me that. My cardiologist told me that, you know, you're going to need mm -hmm. heart surgery. We're going to have to go back in. We're going to like, you know, I don't know how you've gone this long without needing another procedure. Like you should feel really lucky. Um, and yeah, like. And so now Michael sometimes be like, you know, you're kind of like chicken little. You're always jumping to the worst thing. Mm -hmm. and I was like, well, yeah, that's like for 16 years, I was told I was going to die. Like I thought I was going to die. He's like, right. Yeah. But that was like half of your life ago. And I said, but yeah, but then I was hit by a car where I did almost die. So like, mm -hmm. yeah, kind of what they said came true. And it boggles my mind that even to this day, my parents still bring up my medical bills. Mm hmm. To this day, holding it over your head as if as a seven month child that you have any responsibility, <clears throat> any responsibility in that situation, you know, like you like you asked to be born that way or, right. you know, whatever. Well, here's a better question for the parents uh, that do those things and manipulate and you know, hold things over your head, guilt, you know, all of that stuff. What is it that you are supposed to be learning and growing from in this life that you are so resistant to hear? And why are you burdening your children all growing up and into adulthood? Why are you burdening them 
with the emotional baggage that you still carry that you won't address. Yeah. So do you remember when I flipped you off, Janet? I didn't say anything, but I just flipped you off. <laughs> Which time? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I only did it once. Actually, did it once. You were Rest time, she just went. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I've slapped my forehead a couple of times. You were talking about proving yourself. Mm-hmm. And how we feel like we become people pleasers and we feel like we need to prove ourselves and mm-hmm. we become pleasant to everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, I had this like, oh shit, realization moment as you were talking and I needed all of this time to process it, which is why I'm going back to something that we talked about an hour ago. Um, Everyone always assumed, and so did I, that I had this incessant need to prove myself because of my arm. Mm -hmm. That because I physically looked different, Mm -hmm. that is why I needed a constant uh, thing to prove myself. That's why... I always Mm -hmm. had to have straight A's in school. Like, that's why. And like, as you're saying this, I'm like, that was probably part of it, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't all of it. Mm -mm. And I was like, I had this realization and I couldn't articulate it until now because it was so heavy that I'm just like, holy fuck. So sorry for like going on a tangent. (laughs) I just take like an hour to process what you were saying. It's good though, because that you let that message come through, but that's what so many people have that, you know, that mindset and that, uh, like you have to fit into the box that your mom demands that you fit in and you have to be, you know, perfect in every way. You have to be super intelligent and you have to look this way and you have to, you know, behave a certain way and you can't have emotions and you can't, uh, cry and you can't address things. And, you have to conform to their entire way of what the image is that they have of you in their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you don't, a lot of families, a lot of moms will, will shut off their kids. Um, you know, make it even more so known that you're not accepted. You're not appreciated. Oh, you don't follow my religion. Well, then... I don't want to have anything to do with you. Oh, you don't, you don't watch the view. You don't watch the today show. Well, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You don't have the same political beliefs. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You're going to get divorced. Yeah. Well, I don't want to talk to you ever again. And that's like a common theme in our society is that all we do is tend to manipulate and, and treat our kids like a like a trading coin, right? Mm-hmm. And and like today, your worth is a penny, and tomorrow, if you if you do what I say, you might be worth twenty five cents. Don't let people put you in a box like that because you're better than that. You were born perfect. It is the values that your your mom instilled in you, uh, or lack of values that she instilled in you that has shaped your personality and your, and your way of thinking. And so it's healthy to, to realize that and break that yeah. to move forward and to grow. Yeah. You have to, I felt like a lot of times, uh, well, I felt like I wasn't taken seriously. So you're saying like, you know, you had to be intelligent or fit a box. Like it was almost like I just right. had to be there as like a doll. Mm-hmm. So a lot mm-hmm. of times my mom would even 
try to convince me to stay home from school so we can mm-hmm. go shopping together. So mm-hmm. I would have to say, mom, I have to go to school. Stop. Like that's mm-hmm. so tempting as a little mm-hmm. kid. Right. So I had to find my own willpower to be like, I've missed a lot of school because mm-hmm. you're emotionally needy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're as a kid. What's right. that? You had to be an adult as a kid. You had to oh, yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. I parented my mom. It, roles were always reversed and mm-hmm. they still are. It's like I have another child. So she's she deals with uh, like skip beats, like skip. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Like I, as long as I can remember. I think I was in high school. Right. As I remember them. She's had them for that long. OK. Mm-hmm. Even last night. She calls and she gets into a panic and needs, just needs to talk to me no matter what. So 830, I'm putting the little guy down to sleep. She's calling me, calling me incessantly. I text, putting him down to sleep. Call me. Call, 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 call. I, I, mm-hmm. ma, I'm putting him down to sleep. What's wrong? I'm having terrible skipped beats. I said, mm-hmm. okay, have some tea. Mm-hmm. Take a walk. Walk around the house. Sit down and breathe. Take yeah, do the breathing I've told you about. Like I just I just and it's like doesn't matter. It can be my children, myself, whoever else is in need gets thrown to the wayside. If she needs me right then and there, mm-hmm. if I don't drop everything, then I'm the worst person in the world. You right. know, and I wasn't there for her. And that's another thing too, like when I call you, you don't, you never answer when I call. So I just, I'm not going to call anymore. Well, you keep calling. Guilt, guilt trip. <laughs> right. Can you lose my number already? Please. Please. But that's the thing. And, and this is what a lot of people go through where, okay, they have all these standards and expectations that they hurl on us when we're little. Right. But even if you conform to those it's still not good enough. It's never enough because my whole life, it was like, you're not smart enough. Why can't you be as smart as your sister? You're not as athletic. You're not as smart as your brother, like all the time. Okay. So I went to school and got two degrees and I'm still not smart enough. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's always that, moving the goalpost and moving what their expectations of you are. And, you know, whether it's in your marriage or people that you hang out with friends or, you know, whatever in your personal life or your personality or whatever, it is never going to satisfy their need for manipulation and control. You are never going to be good enough for them to stop that behavior. So true. Yeah. And that, I think that last point, Janet, is what can be the toughest pill for a lot of people to swallow. Yeah. Because when we were kids, mm-hmm. sometimes if we did the right things, they were happy. They seemed to be like the mom that we wanted, right? If mm-hmm. we, on that day, we magically checked all these check boxes that we didn't know were there mm-hmm. and had the right goals, like in it, you know, all the stars aligned. Um, but as we got older, those, checklist became more elusive or more complicated or whatever mm-hmm. and realizing that no matter what we do it's never going to be enough right but that's because we're not responsible for anyone else's feelings truth and but that is a really hard thing because we all it's instinctual we want our moms to love us we all crave that motherly love mm-hmm. and so realizing that you're not good enough for your mom can be it's a grieving process mm-hmm 
Yeah. And I think a lot of people um, really struggle with that. And I know, um, you know, when we were doing the shows where I was like, I haven't talked to my mom for, I don't know, three years or whatever. And people are like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Just, oh, that must be terrible. And to me, at that point in my life, I was like, no, this is a good thing. You don't understand. Because this has been going on for such a long time. And something will happen good, like you said, Elle. And it's like, it's enough to pacify them for the moment. And then you're not good enough. And they're really irritated at you again. Yeah. And it's this constant struggle and constant battle. And instead of you not being good enough for them, be good enough for yourself. Let that other relationship go if you need to. Because uh, you can't repair it. You can't fix their behavior. You can't fix their their mindset or, you know, anything else. That's work they have to do on their own, on their yeah. own self. But but take the time to realize that you don't have to fit in that mold, in that box, and that you can be enough for yourself. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And that's the thing too. And, uh, you know, it was really important for me to realize was that I became that person that I was searching for. Mm -hmm. So those bosses, those other women that I was looking mm -hmm. to fill that mom void, I actually became someone to look up to. Finally, mm -hmm. like, it's like, I have that woman in my life and it's me. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need that. I don't, unfortunately. Yeah. Would it be great? Yeah. But I, I realized I'll be I, your mommy. I know you will. <laughs> well, there, there's a quote and it made me sound like a quote, but it's a, a thing that I've seen before. It's be the person who you needed when you were younger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you've done that, I feel like most people find a lot of peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. So how did you guys do the work on yourself or how did you start to address the issues? Was it just through like therapy or was there something you did outside of that on your own? Um, for me, it was a lot of therapy. I've been going to therapy since I was like 20 years old. I'm now 45. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when I found yoga, so meditation, that mm -hmm. really, really, really helped me get in, in just complete um, connection with my spiritual side. You know, mm -hmm. like really understanding um, who I am and mm -hmm. what I'm about and what I believe in my um, my own nurturing mm -hmm. for for the earth and my children and the things around me. Right. Um, that made that that fulfilled me so much mm -hmm. that that and then I realized that's what that's what's filling my soul, mm -hmm. and so that's what uh, helped me heal through it. Um, it's still not easy. This is not a never a ne like a process that's over. This will continue for as long as I'm alive. She's alive. Right. I know it. Right. But it's it's that that um, the filling up of your heart and soul now. You know, mm -hmm. if by by realizing that <sighs> you're never gonna have what you're looking for. Like I kind of said before. So find mm -hmm. it in yourself. You know, or find mm -hmm. it in your friends. Like right. you two lovely ladies, you understand that. Like I can look at you both. I respect you both. I think you're awesome. Like it's so nice to have a connection with other people that you can just talk to. 
Mm-hmm. Isn't that what we love to have with our moms? Like yes. just people like <laughs> us, right? Like what we yeah. have, mm-hmm. you know, people that just accept and love us no matter what, you know? So yeah, that that's what it was yep. for me, really just finding my soul and just my spirituality. So mm-hmm. so how about you, Elle? Uh, therapy, but not in the way, pr- probably different than Rosie, because the only reason I started going, so I, sorry, that was a jumbled mess. So I did therapy for like a couple months when I was in college and then I never went back um, until I was hit by the car in grad school. And one of the things I felt, fuck you, Janet, I made it this far. (laughs) (laughs) She did not flip me off that time, by the way. (laughs) So one of my limiting beliefs when I was working through my PTSD was me being hit by the car was my fault. Mm -hmm. And even though it was not my fault and logically I knew Mm -hmm. it wasn't my fault. I very much, that was one of the things I wasn't safe and it was all my fault. Mm -hmm. Because you, that's been ingrained in you from the get go. The way that my parents responded, like, yes, they took me in. Yes. They were very loving, but um, like that was hard on a, all of us like I had to move back in with them and I was so I was hit May 6th of 2014 and I didn't stop I was seeing a counselor consistently until like November December of 2019 and working through the PTSD of the car hitting Mm -hmm. me was not my fault helped me realize that the way that other people treated me as long mm-hmm. as I was not being an asshole to them, mm-hmm. right? Because there are certain things that if you provoke someone, if you're intentionally picking a fight or whatever, then yeah, someone's going to come at you and that's your fault. But if you're mm-hmm. just crying because you're sad or you're crying because you're hurt um, and someone gets angry at you for that, that's not your fault. Right. And so working through that that wasn't my fault mm-hmm. helped me realize that the other relationships where I felt that and really examining those and going, no, like th- those weren't my fault. Like I don't need to take responsibility for that. Right. Um, and then, you know, that was a journey. It wasn't a light switch. It was very much a journey. And then growing a voice to try and articulate to my mom, you know, mm-hmm. this is how I'm feeling. Like, I'm not being accusatory towards you. Like, I understand that you probably have your own stuff. This is how I viewed it. This is how I remember it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Recognize, and I would even say, I recognize you probably have a different perspective. Um, and that wasn't taken well. And so then having to come to the realization and the finding peace with the fact that uh, this relationship that I so desired, it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen in the way that I had wanted as a child. Right. Um, and I had a choice to work within those boundaries and try to maintain some type of relationship or to completely cut her off. Mm-hmm. And because of my dad and my sister and my other family members, I've chosen to work within those boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm very strict with those boundaries. And I'd never thought until now, I'd always said that had I not been hit by the car, I wouldn't have met Mike. However, I also now realize had I not been hit by that car, I probably wouldn't have the realizations that I'm having right now. Mm-hmm. So 
thank you and also fuck you. <laughs> that's why i love her so much uh, i just uh, you know i i thank you both so much for talking about this because this is not an easy subject and for for a lot of people this is going to be really hard and painful to get through and you're going to have um emotional things come up um, you know, and, and there is help out there, um, to address these things. You don't have to do this by yourself. Um, but the first step is, you know, making those boundaries and realizing that you don't have to be manipulated or, um, made to feel unworthy or unloved. Uh, you can find that, um, uh, look in yourself and, and tell yourself, you know, I, I am a good person because God made you perfect in his image. It wasn't until mankind manipulated you, you know, and, and basically like spoiled the fruit, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so getting back, like to me, uh, getting back to God and religion and stuff and, and having that, I guess, extra layer of enlightenment and knowledge um, and protection has helped me tremendously to face these things um, and get through it and realize, you know, that it was never me that was broken. Right. Yeah. Um, I was always perfect because he made me that way. And so other people's opinion of me don't matter. Um, only his does. And so, you know, taking taking yourself out of that box, uh, destroying those walls that somebody else put a cage around you uh, helps a great deal. So I just want to thank you both so, 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 so much for addressing this topic because I know it's not easy. Um, and I love you both very, very much. Um, and so, Miss Rosie, where can people find you at? Um, on Upstate Unconventional Podcast uh, on Instagram, and my Instagram page is Rosie. What is it? <laughs> dot quartz underscore. Dot <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, one one of the one of the thousand I have. Rosie uh, dot quartz yeah. underscore. I just looked. Thank it up. you. Thank you. That's where you can find me, everyone. <laughs> and I think it's upstate. Uh, upstate uncon. Wait, is it upstate, upstate underscore unconventional? Wonderful. Thank you. Miss L, where people can find you. Uh, so before I plug where I can be found, I just wanted to plug an account I'm not affiliated with, but uh, sometimes has given me an alternative pers alternative perspective on um, mm -hmm. the stuff as a kid. And I sent it her account to you guys last night, but it's the dot holistic dot psychologist. And so make like these reels of like, it it's two adults, but like an adult playing the child and like what the child is learning and um the mother and it's a very interesting to see that that dynamic um in, in the way she plays it out i think it's done really well so mm -hmm. if you want it is another, very done done if, very well if you want another source i highly recommend her account not affiliated just one that i enjoy mm -hmm. um i can be found on instagram at one thumb l o n e thumb e l 
or speed.bumps.podcast. And I am the host of the Speed Bumps podcast. Well, again, thank you, ladies. I love you both very much. Uh, for people listening to this show, I hope the message reaches you, gets through to you, helps you in some way, shape, or another. Or if you need to share it with somebody, please do. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, share, download their shows. Uh, hit them up on social media because they're fantastic people to know and fantastic people to follow. I love you both very, very, very much. And we thank love you, you again. Yes, we love, I love you both. It, I love talking Same. with you. Same. Me too. I could do literally like a 20 hour show with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have to have more of these in the future coming up. Doesn't mean we have to do a really deep topic. Uh, I kind of want to get into the spirit animal stuff in the future. Yes. Yeah, so I love that. I think uh, after reading all of mine and the things that pop into my dreams and whatnot, I'm a, I'm, that's going to be an interesting topic. Oh, yeah. for sure. So yeah. if y'all are down for another lady show, we need to schedule another one soon. I'm down. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> All right. So for me, for Rosie and for Elle, we will see you next time. Have a great one. And thanks for listening.